It's really the simplest question. What is success for the Utah Jazz this season? It's next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Today on Locked on Jazz, what is success from the players, from the front office, from the coaches, from the fans, and what should success be built on? Off the day of the Donovan Mitchell-Rudy Gobert trades or off of last year's gutty, gritty, scrappy season of the Utah Jazz? We'll discuss that. Then Tim Lacombe stops by and joins us for his third and final edition of the offseason interview series talking about the Jazz and the rest of the NBA. I am David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps, as well as on YouTube. Thank you to everyone who subscribes and follows, and those five-star reviews are greatly appreciated on both Spotify as well is on Apple. Thank you very much for all of those who have done that for us and left one of those review. And thank you for making Locked on Jazz the first listen of every single day into the everydayers that are out there. We super appreciate you. We'll be back every day here very, very shortly. Uh, Here's the plan. I do want to give this to you. Um, uh, Just kind of give everyone the the update. So I am going to take one last little vacation. I've done a few of these. Um, Go visit my son and my daughter before the season starts. Um, It's uh, the schedule came out and it is not advantageous to parents seeing children. We leave December 19th and come back December 29th. And my kids kind of come into town on right around the 18th. Um, And uh, so I see him for like a day during Christmas this year. So I'm going to go see my son and spend some time there. And then I'm going to go see um, my daughter uh, over back at college for a few minutes um, and then get ready to go to Hawaii for the season. So that's the plan. So um, just wanted to let you know. So Leaf is going to take the show twice this week and three times next week. And then we'll be back to five days a week with training camp uh, starting. So uh, hope, hope that makes sense to everyone. Um, All right. Uh, thank you for the latest review from E. Bardsley. I really enjoy listening to David's unique take and look at the jazz. The geeky numbers make it all the better, especially in the day when statistics and analytics are such a vital part of sports. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, E. Bardsley. All right. So what's success? I've been thinking about this. We've done all these interviews and done all this stuff. And, like, what is success this year? And, like, success to whom I think is the most interesting question. So, what is I think success to the coaches and the players probably might even be different. Coaches in front office, I think, is perfectly aligned. The organization's in a really good place with that. Ryan's done some some nice things there to make sure that's the case. And then the players are interesting, right? Because you go look at each guy's a little bit like Colin Sexton last year, the whole season was about getting Colin Sexton to the finish line. And that knee. And and so, you know, Colin Sexton's version of success is probably very different than 
what you know somebody else is. Taylor Horton Tucker's in a free agent year. Kelly Olynyk's in a free agent year. Those those have those have an impact, right? Taylor Hendricks, um, Keontae George, and and Bryce Sensabaugh are in a different spot than somebody else. So what a player's version and what the players collectively, and they always believe. The beautiful thing about players is, you know, they all think they're good enough to get done whatever they need to get done. And that's that's a beautiful aspect of, of what makes players kind of who they are um, and, and as successful as they are. They absolutely believe 100% all the time in their own. Um, from a fan standpoint, I think it's a really interesting question of what is success. Like if I were to ask you right now, what is success? And I'd love it if someone wanted to put in their YouTube comment section, what they think their success is for the season for the jazz, because I'm about to lead you into what I think it is for me personally, but I, I'd love to get your comments first. So feel free if you want to just hit pause and hit me on Twitter at, uh, or X at DLOCKO9. Um, that would be fine. Also, um, if you're not on the YouTube and you're on the good, if you're the majority of our audience is still um, on audio. Um, what is success? So what I think is an interesting question is when you look at the success, are you building off of last year's club that was the hard playing, gutsy, scrappy, kind of grabbed our attention and our imagination of what's possible, gave us this blissful, fun expectations free year or are you building your success off off of where we were after the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert trade so that's where I am I never expected this process from the day that we traded Donovan and Rudy and, and, and embarked upon this journey of trying to build a championship team and really the feeling that with Rudy's contract and Donovan's either situation or maybe you know the difficulty in keeping him that that was a path the, the clearly the decision was made that that was not the path to a championship and the decision was also made I think really interestingly that just winning 50 games and being really good wasn't acceptable like that clearly was the decision made by Danny and Ryan and Justin Zanuck that that's that was not a path they were interested in taking so the path they're on is one to truly win a championship like, that's crazy hard. You've got to get lucky. Something's got to happen. Um, I've said this a million times that I, if I owned a team and I ran a team, I wouldn't have enough guts to do that. I would I would go with the 50 wins, be top four in my conference. If I can get lucky and something breaks my way, that's pretty cool. Um, but I, I wouldn't have the guts to go try to pull that off. Um, it's just too, it's really hard. So if I go back to that day, which is where I think I build off of what success I will build up for me personally, I build it off that day. And so I would look at success as being a productive environment for players to develop and play in a culture to be built. Yeah, that's so esoteric and boring. But like I think of some things I've seen out of the Houston Rockets in the past few years. That's not that. That wasn't that. Now, it might be with M.A. Udoka now, but it wasn't prior, right? That, that was just free-flowing basketball and there wasn't structure and they weren't didn't seem to be a lot of that, – that doesn't work. The Philadelphia 76ers in the opening years of the process, that wasn't productive environment by which players improve, develop, and a culture is built. So that would be the first one. So, so that really gets down to some really simple things. Like, can, can they play as hard as they did last year? Like, the thing about them last year is that every night they played hard. Every single night. And if someone came out and didn't play hard, they just got them, right? They got New Orleans twice, if not three times early in the season last year. 
where New Orleans just kind of was cool for school and coasted into a game and the Jazz jumped him. And the next thing you know, they were in for a dogfight and the Jazz were like that to me would be is success is those first two things. And then that should lead to a bunch of player development. This is really the first year in which we're playing with players we selected. Now, Walker and Ochai were fabulous, but they came over in the trade and we didn't have anything to do with the picks. They just happened to be the players we got in our trades. Turned out to be great. Walker, you know, really could be really, really good. He's got big strides to make. But like Walker doesn't, as I heard someone say, Walker doesn't get better just by being a year older. So Walker's got to get better. So that would be the third thing. Is it the core pieces of this puzzle that are beginning to develop? And there's going to be, like, let's be perfectly clear about what the process over the next five years is going to be. There's going to be like 25 core pieces to the puzzle and five of them are going to last. Like, look at Denver. Two of them lasted. Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are the only two that lasted. And then they just kept moving the pieces and they got themselves a championship. And that's that's what this is. So the third part to me that success this year would be that you're seeing growth out of those players. Now that gets funky. Like, well, how does Kelly Olenek feel about that? And how does Jordan Clarkson feel about that? And, you know, they're not on the same timeline as a Lowry Markin and Colin Sexton, John Collins, Talon Horton, Tucker, Ochai Abaji timeline. Like that's, we have kind of that group. And then we have the three draft picks that are all 19. And those players are the ones that like, you know, they're going to have their Jordan Clarkson and Kelly Olenek are are 30-year-old veteran players who, you know, hopefully are a large part of why it's a productive environment for which people develop, by which they play hard. And then there's, you know, then there's the really interesting one, like Chris Dunn's playing for his entire career in preseason. He's an unrestricted you know, he's non-guaranteed. Lucas Samanich in his second chance, playing a little bit for his entire career. Lucas Samanich is a little bit more on the timeline of the younger guys. If he suddenly, you know, you just don't, like if he puts it together, that's a 6'10 body that can run and move and do a lot of things. It's pretty great. And Chris Dunn's 29. So we'll see. And and even Yurt Saban, who we don't talk about a lot, is 25 as well, signed for two years. Like maybe that's a little piece of the puzzle. Um, You know, and if you go back and look, by the way, at Danny Ainge over the career, um, when he built, you know, he moved a ton of players, but Marcus Smart stayed forever and Kendrick Perkins stayed forever. There's, it's not always obvious who the player is that stays forever for Danny and the ones that fit his culture and what he wants as a franchise. So to me, that's what I would deem success. But from your standpoint as a fan, maybe it's 50 wins. Maybe it's 45 wins. Maybe it's a, a win improvement. Maybe, you know, that those are the things that might be most important to you. For me, I think it's just this kind of continual development and process and progress in a much larger five to six year window that we embarked upon the day Donovan and Rudy traded. And we got a much more exhilarating first year than we ever anticipated. But I still think we're in that capsule by which we're make, you know, we find out who we are. So I don't know. I'll be curious about your thoughts. I'll go back and read the YouTube comments um, and, and the rest. Tim Lacombe's going to join us here in just a minute um, and continue our interview series. Special thanks to T Lacombe. Uh, you can hit him at Twitter at T Lacombe. Please send a thank you to Tony and to Sarah and to Ben. They're also generous with their time for our off-season interview series. And Leaf will take us home this next week. And then um, and then I'll be back with you. And we'll start our whole previews of points gained in 240 minutes and all the things down the league. Um, I'll be doing a lot of that while I'm, while I'm not doing shows this week. Um, today's show, by the way, is brought to you by 
Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. I am driving one of the new Santa Fe's. It's a little sporty, zippier. It's got a little bounce to it. Love it. It's been really, really fun. Uh, my kids both have Santa Fe's from various iterations. I guess my son's is now six years old and my daughter's is now three years old. It's been a great car for us. Um, I also got the Ionic 5 at home, which is the mid, the SUV of the year. The Ionic 6 is the other electric. So the Murdoch, the Hyundai lineup of cars, absolutely fabulous. And the Murdochs are there for you with the no regret experience. If you're going to head over to one of the stores, please email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com so I can set you up with the Locked On VIP experience, whether it's Murray, Linden, or Logan. If you can tell me in the email, that would be great. I'd super appreciate it because that would gives me a better chance to serve you uh, the best. That's all at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel, have you been, hopefully you did not uh, participate in that, what was it, the Rams or someone kicked a field goal the other day and got people on the wrong side? Like a weird Sean McVay uh, move. Anyway, uh, FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you play a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets. Win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in the action than now. The app is easy to use. Wide-ranging betting options include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on for America's number one sportsbook and the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. And by the way, you get a thou- no sweat first bet, $1,000 up to $1,000 back. That's literally when you sign into fanduel.com slash locked on. It'll set that up right there for you. By the way, they also have a bunch of NBA props at FanDuel. So you can jump in on all the NBA props, my random NBA prop of the day um, there. And they have a bunch of baseball stuff if you're if you're getting into that as well. Um, they have WNBA playoffs as well, which is much more the Liberty the favored by 10 and a half and the wings by six and a half. The aces are the team opening night of the NBA seasons up on the board. The jazz um, first game is against Sacramento and we are a one and a half point underdog on opening night. Third day with Tim Lacombe. Send him a thank you at T Lacombe on the X slash Twitter. We appreciate him taking the time with us. Catch him with Jake Scott all year long with Jamil Hawkins on the controls as our executive producer this year. He'll be our pre-halftime and post-game show. Uh, it's a great show on the radio broadcast, so make sure you catch it on the KSL Sports Zone. He's Tim Lacombe, longtime BYU coach. Might have started his sports career as an intern for various radio station back. I don't know and who the nutty program director was. I Maybe stories to be told, maybe not. I'm just glad we, we're doing this. I'm not in the same – because I, I see you and I dodge pencils, Matt. Pencils. Remember how they had the you had the pencils and then they had that cloth ball, and mm-hmm. you would throw your pen. You get mad and and it would stick in the walls. Like, not only is he like really smart, but he's when he gets mad, he can even maintain a pencil in the wall. Like my, le- even- my least good moment was the carts. Yeah, those plastic carts. They didn't bounce really well. No, they shatter. <laughs> they shattered. Yeah, we had some fun though, man. And I, I knew right away. I, 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 I'm able to spot greatness. You know, that was one of my calling cards as a coach is to see great ability. And so that's why you got out of radio and went into coaching. 
No, I saw, saw great ability in you, my friend. Oh, oh, I thought it was that you saw what lunatics worked in radio and you decided that you got need to go be around Dave Rose and greatness. No, I just remember people saying, you got to listen to this new dude and flipped it on. I was like, all right. Yeah, that's he and I speak similar language. So I recognize greatness. Then, when he, then he went to go work with Rick Majerus for a long time and then uh, with Dave Rose and a bunch of great coaches. So he's nice to have us with us. All right. Does, one of my favorite moments of the year, I've talked about this, I think, with Tony and Sarah, was the story about Will in the film room saying to everyone, like, you guys know Lowry's our best player, right? Like, Lowry's, and Lowry kind of have to be like, oh, I guess I'm our best player. So Lowry now goes to an offseason, a unique one, where he probably needs some rest with the military and the World Cup. Um, but does Lowry make a jump this year because he enters the year having a different feel on who he is as a player? Yeah, that's always an interesting – when you go from down the scattering report or just part of the scattering report to, you know, the head of the snake, as we used to call it, the one guy that everybody knows, hey, we got to shut this dude down if we're going to win. Um, and, and I think the proof is in the pudding this year. I think that it's going to be a jump that he's going to have to make that all great players do. And obviously he saw way more attention as the year went on last year. Um but I remember early in the season, a particular interview where there was that talk of who's the number one option. And early in the season when everybody kind of wanted to be Lowry, but it was still working itself out. I remember Will saying it specifically, you know, that's not something that you just anoint. You allow that to take place. Um, I made a little note of that. I remember when he said something to that effect. Um, and then it wasn't much later that, you know, we got word that, okay, this is who they're going to play through just by virtue of what we watch. Um, he's a – man, I'll tell you what. The thing that stands out about me to me, David, about him is I knew he was really uh, skilled, but I had no idea the toughness. You know, the way that he just – night in and night out just went in there and banged. You know, he's not afraid of contact. He throws his body around. And, and he did have an unbelievably good year. All that being said, long, long answer, I think he does make a little bit of a jump. Um, because I think he's that good, you know, um, I think he, he's proven that time and time again. And I think that it'll be a guy that, that even though he's well thought of now, I think he'll make a little bit of a jump this year. If you decide Shea's already made the jump, that Shea's already in the 15 top 15 players in the NBA, I see four guys that have a chance to get in the top 15 players in the NBA, Lowry, LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, and mm-hmm. Donovan. Now, Donovan, I, I don't know that Donovan would be better than he was last year. I mean, he was pretty great. Um, the other three are all physically bigger than the other people that play their position. Like Anthony Edwards is the middle linebacker. LaMelo is really big for that position. And Lowry's big, which I think is a huge advantage. W- which of those four do you think is most likely to make a jump in, or any of them into the top 15? Edwards, is, he, he had a nice run. You know, FIBA didn't end up well for the for the whole team, but I thought he was kind of one of the the bulldog bright spots. Um, and I think he's poised to make one. I think it's going to be a huge year for the T-Wolves. I mean, as many questions as there are, you know, you talk about these aging veterans and how they've just kind of had a place up there in the top um, number of players. I think all that's starting to kind of slide and young guys are starting to make their entry. Um, I would say probably out of those that group, I'd probably say Edwards or Lowry would be the two guys that I would say 
um, and probably Edwards just because of, you know, he's a guy who is, is well thought of, but he hasn't quite made the move Lowry made last year. I don't think, you know, I think that's something that we'll maybe see on the heels of this, of a great summer for him. Is there something in Lowry's game that gets him there? I think his a little bit being a little bit more consistent from three. Um, you know, I think that his because um, the, the thing that he does so well, he gets himself the line, you know, as all great scorers do. Uh, and he can score from a variety of different ways. Uh, he's great out in the open floor. You know, he's got the ability to run the floor. You can throw the ball to him and he can make a play off the bounce. Um, and then, you know, his ability to kind of finish in that mid range um, or, you know, lack or the power move above the rim. He's got kind of both of those things. So um, I, I think that's that's a guy that can pretty much do everything. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how defense is counter to him and see what other things are opened up because of the respect that he gains. Let's talk about John Collins. We talked about him in the very first episode this week. So one of the things that was like you talk about the free throws with Lowry. I, I give Will a lot of that credit. Like that's a lot of that face cutting that Lowry was doing off the pin down where if they tried to switch it, he just took the smaller guy across. Um, there, there were some real movement things. What are those same? Are there same things that Will can do with John Collins? You know, in I that think, same fashion. Yeah, I think there are. Um, you know, and I, I've only seen, I haven't seen a ton of Collins other than what we've seen of him. You know, but he's always a guy that I wrote. Like, I love his explosion, explosion and athleticism. I like his ability to finish plays. Um, you know, he is a guy that if he's going to be as good as he needs to be and the team is going to gain the bump that they, they can from him, he's got to be able to shoot the ball better from three. I mean, that's a given, but I think he will. Um, and that's going to be something you or guy are going to have a milkshake on or something that I got to set a number. Cause I think he's going to get to a number. Um, but, but I think those two things, his ability, then it's just will using him. Like you mentioned those wide pin downs, he got Lowry coming off of. Um, you know, unique for a 6'11 guy, particularly when he's got a big guy chasing him. Um, and how many times do we see Lowry just really turn the corner with a full head of steam, uh, able to make a play? I think that's what he'll do for John. Um, but maybe some some post-isolation, maybe some – because I think John is a guy that can turn and face and create off the bounce. Um, and then just what can what kind of things can you free him up with in transition um, that maybe he wasn't getting prior? So – Lots of different angles and ways to look at it, but um, you know, Will will have a lot to work out, work with with John Collins. But probably the number one thing he's got to try to get to is is get his confidence up. Does a switch of a team make that easier, or does it make it more angst laden? I mean, that's the question, right? Like, is he like? It'll be interesting to see. Is the fresh start? I guess is is whatever wants to believe it is. You need that success early, or else, or that fresh start then becomes the opposite. Well, we saw that with Mike Conley, right? The first, his first year here, everybody wanted it so bad for him. And he just, he had such a hard time getting in a rhythm. And it wasn't because guys were bad here. It's just, it's a different situation. Um, you're getting perhaps the ball differently than you've gotten, you know, and that's one thing to consider. Scheme changes, we look at them as all real positive, but they're different for him. So you make a good point. Um, no, I think that his, I think him coming in here, I think the veterans, um, and the locker room seems to be in a good place. Um, I, I think this summer and just watching him in, in and around the team, um, you know, it'll be an interesting transition, but 
they, you know, the Jazz made this move um, knowing that they got a really good player who's maybe a little bit down. And hopefully, like with Lowry, they can just help a couple of different things, you know, just help his confidence and get him playing better. He's Tim Lacombe. And we're going to both talk about our favorite player next. That's what I can promise you. So we'll be talking about our favorite player on the Jazz. Are we allowed to have favorites? Sure. We can have a favorite when it's this guy. We'll be talking about how he fits in next, what he does and how you rotate and what they do around him uh, as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. Everyone able to be prepared. Don't get caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves, their loved ones during the unexpected. Jace Medical hands everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy and medication, delivery and ongoing consultation and care. So, all right, so how does this work? The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form and in some cases, jump on a call with one of our board-certified physicians. Get ongoing care from our physicians and any treatment-related questions. Doctor created, doctor recommended. You know, it's interesting. You do these, you get these clients and you learn about Jason. And then I'm actually in a conversation this weekend with a buddy of mine who lives in the East Coast. And they get these hurricanes coming through, like the one that came from Maine. And, you know, all their power lines are above ground. So, like, the last, when Sandy came through, they were 14 days without power. Well, what happens if you need one of your antibiotics? What happens if something's about to run out? You're not getting you know, the gas stations, if they don't have pumps, like they're not, it, it, it is, it is a, that is the circumstances we're running into. So you got that supply chain shortage, that natural disaster, that travel, a pandemic of something, you know, these are the things that happen. So with these things all taking place, you need to be prepared. And Jace Medical is simple. Go online, fill out a form, and then you get a prescription, a life-saving medications right to your door. The Jace case gives you peace of mind so that you are not hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency, making sure you actually have it. Save more than $360 by getting life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout on Jace Medical. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. J-A-S-E medical.com. So Nikola Jokic wins an NBA title. In the summer league, every team decides to start running the ball through their big. How do the Jazz use Kelly Olenek this year? Well, I thought they did a great job last year. I mean, I was looking because I do run into fans that I I struggle when they they say, oh, Kelly, you know, we should have moved Kelly or we should have kept Bowie on or uh, Kelly was really, really vital to everything we did last year and, and was one of those pieces out there that allowed you to kind of be able to do some of the things you did personnel wise uh, because he's so versatile. He was 100 in the league in points, 51st in rebounds and 63rd in assists. Um, just a guy that does a little bit of everything. Um, but man, it, he does the things that impact winning. Uh, you know, he, I, I saw it for all those years. One of the great Kelly Olenek stories, I was at BYU, we were playing Gonzaga and it was a game. We were playing them a game. Uh, Kelly was redshirting this particular year. So he was in street clothes standing under the basket and they had like, if I remember right, uh, Robert Sacre and a bunch of other guys that had come through there and gone to the pros. Um, Danny Ainge and, and Austin Ainge were at the game. And I was talking to them prior and I said, who do you think their best pro prospect is down there? You know, thinking it was going to be one of the guys we were actually going to face that night. And they disappointed me when they said it's the guy in the bow tie. Um, and this Kelly Olenek was down there and they said, you wait till you watch this guy play kind of Jack of all trades, um, 
great soft hands, great soft touch, but above all else, just knows how to play. And I learned that the hard way and tried to defend and mess with that guy through the years. Um, but he just does a little bit of everything. And I think the Jazz continue to utilize him. I mean, he's one of those guys that allows you to play. Um, you know, can you imagine a lineup with he and John and Lowry out there? Because um, that obviously could be really, really prevalent. Um, but skilled, uh, versatile big guys. And um, so, yeah, to me, Kelly, Kelly is one of the funnest guys to watch just because he does a little everything. Can you play five out? And have him the way De- Denver did. Like, can you play him in that mid-high yeah. elbow post with five, with four shooters and 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 play out of that? Yeah, I mean the key there you've got to be able to to get a catch. You know, he can do that. Uh, be able to turn and face and have the respect that you can actually do something off the bounce. We've seen him do that. Um, but it's really his vision, his innate understanding of how the game's played, where guys are going to be. Um, he just makes really good decisions and. So, yeah, I, th- I think you could totally do that. My favorite Kelly comment that someone had to me is, you know, he's unscoutable because he actually doesn't know what he'll do next. So, therefore, you actually cannot scout that if he goes this way, he'll do that because he doesn't know. Um, the other one that someone said to me about Kelly I love was that the only thing that, about Kelly is that every play has to be like a Monet. Like he just wants every play to be art- the most artistic, beautiful potential in the world like every now and then like just making the x's and o's boxes for tic-tac-toe is fine in basketball but he wants everything to be like a chuck close or a monet (laughs) or something else out there when he's out on the floor that's a that's a great depiction of him because he he does really i i think he gets more excitement perhaps out of a freeing a guy on a screen um or, you know, maybe a, a, a deft little pass, you know, behind his back or uh, somebody face cuts and you're able to give him a bounce pass at the rim. I think he enjoys that as much as he does scoring. So how do you intermix Lowry and Collins and Kessler and Olenek? Like, I think Walker's got to play 30, right? I would think at this point. And I would think Lowry's playing 30 plus 34. And like, what are Kelly and John doing? Like, there's like, how are, how are we doing this? Yeah, and, and I think that that's why um, they pay Will Hardy the big dollars. Uh, because you, you bring up a great point. I mean, there's a lot of talent there, but it's all different, right? You've got a one of the better innate, just right out of the a package, shot blockers and rim influencers we've seen. Obviously, we got to see Gobert, but Walker's almost like, um, you know, he went, he his his ascension last year to, becoming a guy who nobody really wants to shoot when he's around. It was pretty fascinating from the, from the beginning of the year, him, and you got Collins in his strengths. Um, you know, we've talked about Olenek ad nauseum and his strengths. And then Lowry's a guy who we're talking about is really going to really going to blossom. It is probably good that Lowry can play a bunch of three, you know? Um, but those other three guys, you got to figure out a way to juxtapose. And that'll be an interesting part. If you're watching this season, how the Jazz are going to do that. I think it's one that uh, can be debated, but we'll see how they actually choose to do it. And then even, frankly, Taylor Hendricks plays into that, right? Exactly. Like, Which is, like how do you fit that? Well, I think that's why what you, what you suggested, reps in the G League may be probably fairly uh, what we see early on, particularly, because how else do you break that rotation? Well, it'll be interesting. You actually just got me to wonder, 
I think the biggest question to me on this, it's going to get really interesting on uh, throughout the year is how well Walker and Kelly play together or not. And, and I, you know, I'm not sure that last year was necessarily the answer. I mean, Kelly's weakness is he's not a good rim defender and he's not a great rebounder. So it, it would seem as though those two should play really, really well together. On the other end, Kelly's strength is moving the basketball, passing, playing in space. And, that's not Walker's strength offensively. So I think this will be interesting. Last year when the two of them were on the floor together, we were about even. We, we were, I think, about 0.8 um, even. And, you know, all of our numbers last year are a little funky, right? Because you just so much, so many a lot minutes. Of different were, lineups. Yeah. Right. Like, hey, when he was on with Jordan Conley and Markin, and they were like plus 11, right? Um, so it was really, it's quite brilliant. If you add Lowry to that mix, um, I believe it was really very good for the three of them last year. Um, but then I don't know how much the three of them play together now that John Collins is is there. Like that's not necessarily a lineup that you're going to see a lot of unless you're starting that lineup. And I, I most people's feeling is not. They're plus five when they had Lowry on with the group as well. All right, let's quickly wrap this before we wrap this up. Let's talk NBA. Um, Denver is way better than everyone else in your mind. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, and they missed they missed a couple of guys, right? But I think the two most complete teams uh, in the West, particularly. Denver and Sacramento. Oh, those are the known those are the known commodities to me. And what's your thought on Phoenix? I mean, Phoenix obviously there's there's a lot of kaboom, you know, there's a lot of combustion. How will it click? You know, older guys can they, you know, can Durant stay healthy? Um, but pretty scary when you think about the pace they could play at, um, how efficient they could be, you know, both in transition and in the half court. But that's a wait and see for me. But I put them up there, you know, I put them up there above everybody else. What's your top four home court advantage first round Western Conference? The top four? Yep. Um, so those three, I would probably say that we've talked about. And then, you know, what's interesting is is if you really look at it, you know, Memphis has got is a head scratcher um, because they're really talented, but they're missing the most dynamic piece for 25 games and, and then just what is the culture there now? You know, what, what did that do to the place? Um, the Clippers, they decided to kind of run it back. Um, wasn't great last year. Injury, you know, management, load management, still an issue. Golden State, six guys over 30, five guys over 33. I mean, really, 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 really veteran uh, for, the, for the Warriors. Um, I'm kind of intrigued by the Lakers. They kind of get new blood. Um, don't love per se, you know, the Christian Wood thing at face value, but as a piece. Um, and then Reeves kind of coming on the scene. They had Gabe Vincent, who I thought was pretty solid. So they're intriguing. Many, I mean, so what I'm saying is beyond that, it's like who's who is going to rise up? You know, who's it going to be? Um, I I at this if you you know held held my feet to the fire right now, I'd probably say the Lakers. Mm, okay. Interesting. A lot. Some people think Minnesota or Minnesota. Right. I mean, can they figure it out? Um, OKC with Chet now back and, you know, they could be primed. I love I love their young nucleus. I mean, giddy. I do. I feel like it's a year early for them to make. Yeah, it. probably. But but man, I love the guys are putting together when you look at it. And then the great Zion question. Yep. You know, what's going to happen there? Um, I, I thought I, the. I thought the FIBA might have exposed a little bit of the Brandon Ingram question that he's just not like 
He's not him. Yeah, right. Right. Like, He's good. Like, I didn't put him in my group of guys who I thought might make a jump. Correct. Because he like, just, every year, he's going to come out there and be a threat. And he's, But I just think he is where he is. You right. know, he's just that guy. I mean, it's loaded. It's loaded, but but you can see a lot of, you know, one thing could kind of unsettle an entire group. So it's just going to be almost like Survivor NBA edition. Right. And injuries matter. And the wild card here is if, whether or not Victor actually is just so good that they actually win 35, 40 games. What do you think after seeing him? I mean, what's your defensively? He's going to be incredibly impactful immediately. Yep. Um, I think the Spurs will be gentle with him. Um, I think he'll shoot a really low percentage. I I think we all have to go back. Like we got to do this with Keontae too this year. Fans are going to get so tired of this, but like go back and look. I know. Like Durant shot, forget, Durant, Durant's the greatest shooter in the history of the game, probably. Shot like 38% as a fresh as a rookie. I know. Like LeBron, I think, shot 42 as a rookie. Like, it's just super hard. So, yeah, I think he'll shoot a really bad percentage. And I think there'll be a lot of question of whether or not he might just not be able to make it offensively. But I think he'll be so defensively dominant. Um, but I, But I also think, like, like, I think he could shoot, like, 45% while dunking most of the time, and, like, his jump shot could be at, like, 22%. The the piece of the game that I, you know, you say, you saw in Summer League that you know it's just going to be is, is the physicality. Like, right. we watched it with Walker last year. I mean, those first few games, I would have loved to have been able to talk to him, but you go to get a rebound in your – you know, get eating popcorn out of somebody on the front row underneath the basket. I mean, I mean Rudy put him in the third row. Totally. Right. So it's just a matter of now, like you have to figure out how to stand up physically first and foremost. Right. And that will be his biggest challenge. I think you're right. He'll, he'll look great defensively. He'll score things around the rim. He'll make some ooh plays, but his big challenge this year is how, how fast as possible. How can I get stronger? Right. All right, Timmy. A lot of fun. We're probably about a little, let's see. We're kind of like a little less than a month away. Kind of great. Yeah, and I only get to see you when you're home and tired, but it's okay. It's That's what right. we do. And, and I love working with you, man. Thanks for having you're me. You're the on. best. Tim Lacombe, everybody. Send him a big thank you at T. Lacombe on Twitter. We appreciate his time. Great insight this week. And this has been Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.